Welcome to this episode of the Becoming a Fulfillionaire show. Today's guest is Kevin Crenshaw, who is the founder and owner of The Heart Gang and has also created a whole litany of other online products and is a coach for people wanting to live with a more open heart. And I think today's episode is going to be really epic and special. Kevin and I get along really well. We don't know each other that well, so I'm going to be able to go into a very deep exploration of his experiences, his psyche. And I would venture to say this is going to be a very open-hearted episode (laughs) because of where I come from and where he comes from. And I'm just going to encourage and challenge us both to just go as deep as we need to go and be as vulnerable as we need to be to pull out all the genius to help everybody live a more open-hearted life. Mm -hmm. Kevin, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Let's dive in. Yeah. So first question on the preamble getting into this, Mm -hmm. you did something that I see entrepreneurs do very little of, but I've been seeing it more and more. And we were also talking about there's kind of an awakening happening every generation, right? Yeah. And yeah. the awakening happening now is that people are able to consider living through their heart and a heartful mm. life, right? Where mm. I don't think that was an option 40 years ago, or if it was, it meant something very different. It meant like living for your family and mm. like living to, pro- at least as men, right? Mm. Living to provide like a paycheck and yeah. a good life for your children and stuff. So you said something where I asked you a question and I was like, well, what does that exactly mean? Like, what is the heart gang? And the first thing that came out of your mouth was, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm still in exploration of that. (laughs) And it takes a ton of humility and a ton of experiences to get to the point where you're comfortable saying that to someone. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me, tell me what that means to you. What I don't know means or the heart gang? The whole journey of getting to the point where you can comfortably say, getting I don't know, the... with a smile. Dude. <laughs> and oh, why man. Why would the viewers be interested in hearing this story? Like, what can it provide them to know about life with being comfortable saying, I don't know? Like, there's probably some people watching where it's very uncomfortable to admit that you don't know things sometimes. Especially when you're the quote unquote expert or it's mm. your own company or it's the thing ironically i want to say i don't know (laughs) um but if you know what was the most humbling experience of your life how about we go there humbling experience was in relationships man knowing when i fucked up and here i am the heart guy fucking up and it um it, it, my dharma has a short leash in that way. And in any, any, if you walk a certain dharma, you sign up for a certain assignment, whether it's clean oceans or helping people in their love life. You know, if you have clean oceans, you're going to be a lot more eco-friendly in your purchases and mindful with that type of stuff, right? Uh, whatever that, that thing is to better humanity. And so that just happens to be mine. But I mean, I know I do what I do because I fucked up so much. I know what not to do. Uh, I think it's Anthony DeMello talks about you can't define love. You can define what love isn't. But the more you try to define it, the further you get. Um, wow. So- I, got, I have a ton of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Already, I like it. And stop me if I'm ever interrupting too much because <laughs> no. I have a lot. I'm going to have this. a lot of questions. Let's roll. Let's roll. Yeah, yeah. What is love not? Yeah. If you were to rattle off like just some things off the top of your head, like what is love not? No, it's in the, uh, love is not selfish. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
right? We know that if you grew up in the Bible Belt like I did, you know that uh, verse from Second Corinthians something. I think that's pretty on the money. Um, you know, I, I also before we started uh, the intro, you I said hurt versus heart, and you're like, whoa, what? Mm. Where, where are we coming from? Are we coming from our, our hurt? which is a lot of people you know, say our ego, that place inside of us, that our hurt self that's out to get, or are we out to give? Is it a, of expression or is it of survival? You can think of it that way. A lot of my work sees personal development or spirituality through the lens of the human body. So we can also look at that as, are you regulated in your nervous system or are you dysregulated? Are you taking action from a dysregulated state when it's not appropriate or are you regulated, you can say calm, cool, collected, grounded, mm. and coming from that place? So what I'm taking away from that as a note to myself is yeah. to check in if I'm coming from hurt or heart. If I'm unclear logically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can say, like, does my body feel tight right yeah. now? Do I feel, mm -hmm. am I breathing And, you know, it's, it could also just be something as simple as what would love do? What's the most loving thing with for all, all parties involved right now? Mm, okay. How do I define... So, like, how do I define mm -hmm. that? Because you can say, like, what would the most loving thing be? And then somebody for has a skewed parties. Because if somebody has a skewed view of love, yeah. because that's a big thing. Uh, I mean, a lot of my courses help people redefine it because their idea of love is codependency or uh, people pleasing let's, or let's, whatever, right? So, right and it's because yeah. of media and. Um, cultural conditioning saying that I need to sacrifice myself and what makes me happy to make you happy because I love you so much so I'm gonna be unhappy so you can be happy what the fuck mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense it doesn't add up but that's is there like a Disney reference we 100% use? what is which one would any you of them any of them literally let's any take of them. one and just tell that story real quick so let's take Beauty and the Beast as an example yeah right if we walk through the story of like the beast being up in the castle and Belle being the girl from the village mm -hmm. And she goes up to the castle, right? Mm -hmm. And then gets trapped in the castle. So she falls in love with her captor mm -hmm. and then leaves. And then he can only be rescued by her. Yeah. Right? Culturally, like, what does this say to, like, kids it, and teenagers? It, it, it says to young girls that the toxic, unsafe person, you, you can change him. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, and then there's also other maybe non-Disney movies of, um, you know, a guy and a girl are living their life. They literally bump into each other and the guy chases the girl. She says, no, 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 no. All of a sudden changes her mind. So that in induces in the male psyche watching that. Um, I just got to keep going. I keep, I, I, I got to do more, show up more so that she can then, I can win her over. I'm not enough as I am. I got to perform and show up. Wow. Okay. Uh, there's, there, you, we can pick any movie yeah. and we can dissect the love story of it and go, that's twisted. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, how is it twisted? Because some people might be like, well, that's just what love is. And it's been my experience. So your experience of love might be different than your definition of love. Mm. So starting with the women can heal or save toxic men mm -hmm. in your experience of teaching this mm -hmm. to people and working through this with people what do you move them towards what is a what is so, a empowering methodology or you taught me that we're not more intelligent than the body 
the body is very intelligent. And so for me to come in and try to be more intelligent than it, like, you know, the things we talked about, it's kind of arrogant, ignorant. Wow. Get over yourself. Like, (laughs) what the hell? I think the same thing with love. I question it, you know, because that might be true. There might, and there's probably a love story out there where the girl like literally changed that guy's life and he, it was the thing that ruptured that wall in his heart and he opened his heart and changed his life and now they're together and it's like, holy fuck, that's inspiring. That can still happen. Just not for everybody. Mm. Everybody has a unique love story. Uh, I've interviewed a few people who have been married or together for 30 plus years and still madly passionately in love, like on their honeymoon phase. And they've gone through some shit. So it wasn't always a honeymoon phase, oh, but no, they, no. they tend to revolve back to but, it. And every story is different. Mm. There was some that it was like, they were friends for forever and then, oh wait, there's something here. Love at first sight. Um, the, the toxic chase running away thing. Like we can't, there's not one story. Mm. There's not one ideal. It's just, you know, is it healthy? Are you fulfilled? by your pattern in love if you're seeing a pattern of which is your partner your the dojo for spirituality is intimate relationships in my opinion the best because what more could you, you make you feel so fucking alive or dead inside than your intimate partner you most of the time right mm. and so that's where i go to do the work the inner work, the shadow work, the mirror work, seeing not them as a reflection of me, because a lot of people would say like, oh, they're a narcissist, so I'm a narcissist? No, what does it say about you? That you have a pattern of being with them. What then, where's the the reflection and seeing yourself in that pattern? So um, anyway, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but. I I mean, I love that, I I love where you're going. I could could go on and on about talking about love and relationship stuff and you know, so could I ask you, like, what? Just because I feel like I can learn a lot from it. What were your like early patterns, and how was that mm-hmm. reflection process for you? So, what did? Because to hear the mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. will probably teach me a lot more. My, I was a people pleaser. Okay, literally, literally up until December, like this of, recent December, two months ago, month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I assume uh, there's like levels to that, right? Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Um, so early on, you were a super people pleaser. I grew up the shy nerd kid that ate Cheetos and shit food and was heavily medicated and played video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people pleasers start as parent pleasers. So I wanted approval and I would just, yeah, yeah, what do you want me to do? And would do anything and give anything to support because I wanted love. Uh, my first girlfriend was a setup from my mom and her mom. And we dated for four years, ended up proposing to her. And we were engaged for six months. And long story short, I she broke it off, no explanation, uh, after I came back from a trip. And I held a little pistol in my mouth and almost took my life. Because I had no sense of self. And she became that for me. That was the only way I could feel love was through her. Couldn't feel it on my own. And I, you know, this was college. So you're, I, I was still like finding that, but um, it was a pretty dark time. Got out of that. Then the next 
three relationships I was in, it ended up in the same way cheating on me. She cheated on me, found it out later, but, and I was like, what the fuck? Maybe it's me. I don't know what gave me that thought. I was into personal development and stuff, so maybe I was taking ownership. And I'm like, what about me is attracting this? Because it's not like they're cheaters. Like, they weren't the cheating type. This is the first time most of them did it. Wow, I'm codependent. I'm needy. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay on my own. So I started reading books about love and relationship and human dynamics and all the, all the stuff. Even though I was a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, never read a book on it. I was always researching love. And um, again, long story short, helped a friend save his marriage. Holy shit, I'm good at this. Uh, go on this trip. Can we, can we uh, if it's okay, can mm -hmm. we break down how you helped your friend save he his marriage? He just was like, hey, I need some help. And I was like, yeah, like, cool. And we, I didn't know what he was asking, wanting, asking, asking help for. We go out to dinner at this like uh, Mexican restaurant. And he was like, dude, I'm having some trouble. And da da da. I know that you're always reading those books. Like, and what so was, like, I, the trouble they were going through. I honestly can't even remember. Okay. I, I just. Because like, you've had so many stories. I think it was a miscommunication thing. It okay. was it was like, well, she, she's, she's asking this of you and she doesn't know how to communicate it. And you're asking this of her and you don't know how to communicate it. So, like, I helped him see compassion and. So the, the deeper need that wasn't being met, and then he just changed and showed up. And uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, that's something along the lines of that. But that's also most people. Is miscommunication ruins a lot of good things. Do you have any like silver bullets for that? Mm. Like a I said it last night, um, or uh, night before last. We were hanging out with a bunch of friends, and uh, one of my friends was going on about how. Um, you know, I just hate when people share their accolades, right? When they meet you or like whatever, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I made this much money, like in passing and kind of just flaunting their shit. And he's like, kind of disgusted. And I'm like, yeah, but in situate in, in a lot of situations, I see people as first graders. That kid's just like, oh, dude, I found this new toy. I did this new thing. And you're like, awesome. Instead of being resentful or why are you doing that or whatever, like compassion. So that's the one of the gold nuggets is seeing the other person, even if they are coming from hurt as a little kid. And it gives a lot of perspective to the things. And now a lot of what I'm saying when I start talking about unconditional love, uh, it doesn't mean, and there's a quote out there floating around, it doesn't mean unconditional acceptance of bad behavior. So you can unconditionally love somebody and still set your boundaries and still own your shit and create the orientation in life around that so just because you love somebody unconditionally doesn't mean you have to keep sacrificing and stay in and all that stuff i have a big question for do you me. love yourself <laughs> unconditionally because you need to own your fucking truth your deeper truth and for me up until december that was fucking hidden i would i had a i had a addiction to unsafety in relationships i was the opposite of the bell thing with women i'd be like oh you have a wall around your heart I can I can open that, mm -hmm. and I would get attracted to it, and this all subconscious, right? Instead instead of um, not like, hey, this isn't healthy. I couldn't see it. I was attracted to it because it was familiar in my body, with my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. The demands she had on me of like doing certain things or the the you know, my chores and stuff like that. I remember it was, you know, not only would I get the money from it, but she would be happy. And I wanted her to be happy. So I did the things and then I would create partnerships where I happened to. 
And because it, because it was a memory in my body that I was reliving for a chance of redemption. Oh, let me, let me do it enough, enough, enough. Okay, now it's great. Now you, oh, wow. Okay, that's complete. But that usually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the work that I've done in the study of trauma around the nervous system uh, is, and my, one of my mentors mentioned this to me, and I was like, that's be- beautiful, is to see life unobstructed from reality. And if we're having an experience like that, we're not sitting with the person across from us. We're reliving a memory from something that happened with mom, dad, an ex, something like that. And because we're triggered, but we're not seeing reality of, oh wait, this is a different person. Like all of my, the, those first four relationships cheated on me. I could just label all women as cheaters and be like traumatized about it. I had enough discernment to go, those were individuals and I own my shit. It could be different for somebody else and with somebody else and I could create different within myself. Um, anyway. What does that look like for you? So, so you recognize you're like, you're the common denominator with the various <laughs> women that uh, cheated and you said, you know, before, like they're right. not cheating women. It's not like that's who they are. What, what did you find that you needed to shift mm. about yourself or what were the practices? What so were the things? in my earlier days, I tried to stop doing things. Now I try to start doing things. Mm. So instead of stopping people pleasing or stopping reacting or stopping, you know, put my dick in what I shouldn't put my dick in for a lack of better terms, uh, I started saying, well, what would be healthy? What do I want? Not what your ego wants. What does my heart want? What are my deeper core truths? And, a lot, and when I started that, I didn't know because I lived for other people. I lived trying to please everybody else. I didn't know what would make me happy. That's why I'm in the season right now where I'm, you know, fire spinning and got a car that I'm like doing a project on and like so many fun things. I'm getting a saxophone. I'm just trying shit out because I didn't give it to myself. I was in the personal development space and it was just hustle, 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 grind, grind, grind. So I sold my Xbox and anything that made me happy, art supplies, got rid of them to work because I need, wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I shut down play. Now, do you think that uh, something that I say is like you can't skip steps? Mm. Do you think that was a step you could have skipped? Probably. Or was that a necessary thing? Probably. I, I think I had suffered a lot unnecessarily. Mm. There's a lot of unnecessary suffering. Now, if someone is in that place right now where they're thinking about eliminating things from their life so that they can be more productive or go after some bigger goal... And like talking to you back then, if you say you could have skipped that that part of that step, mm. what would you say to that person now about not cutting out their play? Play is what makes you filled. And to go on the the topic of the uh, the podcast, when you're fulfilled, it all happens. Uh, I wasn't fulfilled and was looking for fulfillment in women or work, right? And so that's why it never worked out. Even with work, I still was able to make the money to pay the bills, but I was unfulfilled inside. And it was constantly hard and I felt like I was pushing against a wall to get ahead in business. And now it's so easy and free and things are coming to me and I'm like, what changed? Well. I just started owning my yeses and nos and following what's going to light me up. I also did a lot of work on my physical body. 
mm. with my energy, reposturing things, healing my gut, um, eating, you know, eating clean, doing detoxes, all that stuff. And that's why I talk so much about it. Because I know you know I had the near-death experience. And that opened my eyes to the body-centric stuff from a different... You've got to tell that From story. a different lens. Let's, You've got to let's tell that do, story. Let's do it. Because, you know, I was in fitness, and so it was all about performance. Which there's a difference between performance and health. Mm. So... What? No. <laughs> yeah. Marketing would say otherwise. Anyway. Yeah, you wanted me to tell my, my near-death story? Near so, jeez. That was a crazy story. So I'm living in Santa Monica, living my LA life. Uh, business is thriving. I'm making a name for myself as the heart guy, uh, changing lives. It, it, it's it's amazing. I that was like one of the peaks of my life, I would say. And in that, I'm like, I did this live event for the first time. One like never done my own event before. It was like a 12 hour immersive experience. Uh, called Unlock Love, and it's all about like healing codependency and self-love and healing relational trauma. I just put this shit together and did it, and like 35 people showed, and it was amazing. And I was, and then all over my Instagram, people are like, "Where you, you got to come to this city? You got to do it here. You got to do it there." So I was like, "Okay, bet." So I created a a tour: Dallas, LA, Toronto, Miami, back to back weekends, and it was going to be in like three months, whatever. And I. Uh, just in my my that's how i do things i shoot in the name and so i was like yep cool we're in and then i got sidetracked by a situationship that didn't turn out and i woke up from that and i'm like this thing is in a month and i haven't done any promotion i start freaking out and i'm like okay there's a ticket sold in every city i gotta show up like i was i was thinking do i rip do i just pull the cord and not do it i'm like something in me is saying to go all right i'm gonna do this thing Okay, so quick check in there. You said something in me was saying to do it. That's yeah. your, because you've done all this work I, around being in your heart and knowing uh, what the feeling is of uh -huh. something is like incoherence with mm -hmm. your soul yeah. versus I logically want to do a thing. Right. And those are different. Right. This, what is the feeling? Like how would we know for someone who hasn't experienced a lot of that? Mm -hmm. You're asking me how to breathe. Mm -hmm. You're asking me... Uh, what does golden hour look like? It's different for everybody, mm. and it's different in different times. For me, so it's not a question. It won't mm, be a question. It's a calm knowing. God or your love speaks in whispers and a calm, certain knowing. It's just like you know, you know. And when we're coming from our trauma or our heart, we oh, but I can't because of this da, 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 and I, I that's gonna be a lot. And I don't know if I can do that. And I'm enoughness, and you know what to do. And that was kind of the the thing. I was like, ah, this is for my growth, but holy shit, that's scary. It'd be much easier to just pull the plug and cancel everything. But and I think it was you know I was in that season of life where I wanted adventure, so it was like this is gonna be fun. How the fuck am I gonna pull this off? I didn't have a syntax, didn't have a flow of anything, didn't have, didn't do any marketing, like get everything ready in a month for an entire tour. Let's fucking go. Well, I did. And I borrowed a shit ton of money in the process. Shout out to my friends because they showed up and crewed or did things for free or lent me money and did all that or picked me up from the airport, like all the things, stayed at their house because I didn't have the money. I wasn't, I wasn't really doing, I was doing well, but I was spending it all. You know, so I didn't have much of a margin to work with uh, or a budget. 
I remember halfway through it, the events were going well, but they weren't converting. People weren't, you know, buying the course at the end and stuff. My business mentor at the time, who I hired because I wanted to, to do that um, and, and have it be successful, taught me a lot about running events and stage presence and how to, how to do all of that. But I assumed that he was going to help with marketing as well, and he didn't. So I kind of shot myself in the foot because I paid him 30 grand. Mm. Well, on contract. I didn't, no money transfer happened. It was like, oh, yeah, you'll do this event. You'll do this tour. You'll make the money back. And then I pay him a small chunk of it because I'll make money. And I add it up. But it didn't happen. I'm in the airport going to Toronto with no money in my account. And my like negative in my bank. And I can't swipe for another anything. I'm going to get on this plane. My friend's going to pick me up. And I'm going to fucking figure it out. He's saying, don't get on that plane. Cancel everything. I was like, no, fuck you. I literally told him. I was literally what I said. The mentor said that? Yeah. Okay. And I said, and he, he was thinking numbers and logic and he needed to get paid, right? And I'm like, no, I'm going to honor my word. I said I was going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. And I did. And I come back from the whole tour on a high, man. Like, sure, the finances were in the chitter, but like I had such an amazing time so many people changed their lives and you could see it and like hearing from them afterwards and like uh, people rekindling their relationships and it was insane mm-hmm. i was like yeah more of this i come back to an eviction notice on my door of seven thousand dollars or quit in three days uh that coach threatening to sue me because i had I was late on a payment and i'm falling out with a friend because i owed them money and i just cracked inside and went out to the beach and bawled my eyes out like, I don't know how I'm going to get this money. I'm going to lose my fucking apartment. What have I done? And I'm just, you know, shaming myself. Like, what What did you do? I added it up and I was over $110,000 in debt. And I was like, how the fuck did this happen? Again, calm whisper. You know what to do. I was like, all right. I'm Kevin fucking Crenshaw. I'm going to pull this shit together. I'm going to make it happen. Sure enough, I did. $7,000 in three days or I get evicted, boom, did that. $2,000 in two days or this guy's going to sue me, boom, did that. For three months, there was a pressing deadline with a certain amount of money and I made it happen. Wow. And I paid off about 90% of all that debt to the point where you know the people I did owe debt to were like, pay me back whenever you can, no rush. What was the weirdest thing that you had to do in those three months? I developed an insane caffeine addiction. Oh, like how much? Uh, a thousand milligrams a day. <gasps> That's like 10 cups of coffee. Like three bang energy drinks a day. Oh God. And barely eating. Were you sleeping? Uh, a bit? I, I mean, all I was doing was working. I was pulling easy 16, 17 hour days. And was that a combination of one-on-one clients? That was servicing clients, clients, getting new clients, talking to a team to help, you know, things happen. I just went manic on what worked and um, wow. it definitely leveled me up. In a business sense, mm-hmm. I was still, I, I, my adrenal, when I stopped and I was like, oh shit, I can relax. My adrenals were shot. Uh, my body was a wreck. I was pale. I lost a shit ton of weight. Um, and my friends were like, I'm concerned about you. So I do this adrenal reset and everything. Now, mind you, this whole year I started was I started playing with psychedelics for the first time. Um, I was goody two shoes in school, didn't do anything. So this was like that year, this 2019. Uh, sat with Wachuma a few times, did uh, m- mushrooms, microdosing here and there, uh, MDMA, microdosing here and there for, you know, 
ceremonious reasons. So a lot of like good experiences totally. up to this. Totally. You know, nothing wrong. I sit and exactly and a mentor of mine at the time was like hey you want to do a private ceremony in in Joshua Tree in December I'm like yeah that seems good why not reset you know cool well it was powdered not normal San Pedro and she didn't know that it expanded in liquid I didn't know any of this it was out of integrity and the woman didn't know what she was doing in my experience I had enough Wachuma for probably about 30 people. I had probably five heaping tablespoons in uh, nectar juice that we bought and it had sugar in it and, and stuff like that. So I had some, not feeling anything. 30 minutes later, some more, I feel anything. 30 minutes later, some more, and then it hits me. I'm moving, I'm grooving, and all of a sudden, I start tweaking, I start freaking out. It's not good. Uh, I'm having really dark thoughts about like blood and all that like crazy stuff. And she's like, Kevin, you're freaking me out. I wasn't conscious. I started going for anybody who's been on a bad trip. You start time jumping and you're like, what? I'm not even fucking here. And now I'm in like Lumeria and then I'm in the 1980s and now I'm here. And they're like, right. And all my, my stomach's expanding. Now I hadn't had a gag reflex and I hadn't thrown up since I was two. It starts getting here, and she's like, Kevin, I need you to throw up. Kevin, I need you to throw up. Kevin, I need you to throw up. So I, I remember that. And I finally allowed myself to throw up, and I threw up three giant salad bowls worth of like rainbow colored shit. I'm completely depleted and exhausted, still fucking in it. And I lay down, and she's her hand on my neck, and I start to see a tunnel. And I didn't know this about near death experiences until after, but I, you know, you see the tunnel that everybody talks about. And I also, and I'm coming into that and I'm relaxing and it feels good and you want to go into it. And I'm like, I almost have this soft knowing. If I let go, I'm going to die. As I become aware of that, I have another visual of a knife going in the back of my head. And it's like this, and I'm like, I'm dying. She's murdering me right now. To I've clarify, you saw yourself being stabbed like from a third no, perspective. No, it was like eyes, eyes were closed. And it was just a visual of a knife and I felt it in my back, in the back of my neck. And I'm like, this pressure. I'm like, she's stabbing me. And I'm like, how am I thinking right now? Like, I, you know, mm -hmm. freaking out. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I jolt up and I like shove her away. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, whoa, it's just me. And I'll, that, that whole experience ties into something later. Uh, but then, yeah, I, I didn't go to sleep for three days because um, I was scared my heart was going to stop beating. I was, I couldn't focus my eyes um started hearing voices not taking care of myself you know this total psychosis were you in the desert for three days no no oh, she drove me home. back and okay. then it was like are you okay and i'm like i think so and she left and i'm like by myself in those three days it was tough um and like i said just really scattered and i knew enough to know that i wasn't well and I was like, I need a perspective shift because I used to work for Tony Robbins, crewing him his events for a few years, and so I knew a lot of the mindset, strategy stuff. And I'm like, perspective. I am like, that's not it. It's scary. So I took myself to a graveyard and walked around in a graveyard for about three hours and bawled my eyes out. And I was like, all this shit that I'm worried about, what this person thinks, or the finances and the money, the shit that I've been that's consumed me with the money, doesn't fucking matter. I'm alive. 
And I wrote down in my journal, breathe for those who can't. Mm. I could have fucking died. I had a brush up against death and I'm over here still stressed. Fuck you, Kevin. I love you, but like, dude. And that was the thing that really kickstarted me in a better headspace to get out of all of that. And then I developed crazy IBS and gut problems because of all the you know, things that happened. Mm-hmm. And that led me down a path. 2020 happened. I left Santa Monica, went to uh, Seattle. And so then I, I dealt with two years of gut problems and yeah. I, everything. I'm but curious, that's, after that experience, yeah. how did that change your, I'm assuming it had a profound effect on your one-on-one sessions with people? My work, yeah. So I had a mentor of mine. Um, Will Resin, who saved my life. I was already working with him. Somehow or another, we got connected. Is he a coach or? He's a mentor, yeah, with okay. somatics. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's he specializes in working with trauma. And if it wasn't for him and that work, I would be lost. Uh, it, he helped really help me understand the nervous system and trauma and um, healing that, but also finding wholeness in myself and self-awareness, not just what I'm thinking about, but what I'm feeling. And he, he really guided me through that whole process. You know, I took his trauma and somatics course, which helps coaches work with clients because everybody has trauma. And so it, that changed how I relate to humans. It changed, it changed how I human, it, not just in my work. And then I started diving deep about the, um, lymphatic system which isn't really talked about or touched on much but is a big factor in things um the digestive system because i had all my gut problems and i start going down all this scientific research around the body and i called myself the heart guy before but then i actually started studying the anatomical heart um and the heart math institute and they're all their research about things and so i I dove into biohacking just literally humaning I went crazy, manic, workaholic, overachiever to finding myself humaning, doing the laundry, chilling, hanging out with friends, not working. You know, I found myself in a home. There's two kids there, love them like my own, playing with children, you know, and it was therapy for me to just take a breather and regulate my system for a while. And so now reapproaching things, you know, I'm still the heart guy and the heart gang used to be my coaching community. You asked me what the heart gang was earlier. It's morphing into a company. It's morphing into a, a movement. It's morphing into um, something way bigger than just me. And it, I, it's all of the heart gang stuff is I'm going to be tying in what I learned through experience. Experiences traumatize us and experiences heal us. We don't need more knowledge. If you want knowledge about something, get a book or go on Instagram. Like uh, people are tired of the same old, same old and experience like a, is what's going to make a difference in the patterning in your form, as my mentor Will likes to call it, your, your biology. If you change the patterning, you can change the person, you change the, out, the outcome things. So it's really shifted a lot to experiential type things. And the experiences don't always have to be big and cathartic like the spiritual community loves. Just calling a spade a spade. Yeah, it doesn't have to the be a three. Wailing, crying, like shaking, ah, crazy experiences. You can process grief with a single tear. You can process rage by just, oh, okay, that's all it was there. You know, you don't have to make a show of it. 
and um, most you know I, I, healing happens in safety in a sense of belonging we get to have a new experience of love a new experience of relating to others a new experience of self when we're in a connection for the first time when we're not judged and we're used to judgment constantly it's a new experience change wait a second what so if you're not having the experience of love that you want or a friendship that you want unfamiliar and new is the biggest green flag if it feels familiar you're running your pattern mm. and it's hard to see it when you're in it so you know for me recently like being in connections with women and i'm not judged or i'm not it's like oh you have that fault okay <laughs> and it's not like this big triggering guard up thing Oh, interesting. I have so many questions. I want you to keep on this rant because I'm loving uh -huh. where this is going. Uh -huh. but just a, an interruption question is okay. feeling into this answer because I know you, you're going to be able to do this easily. Mm. Um, and I know you can't logically explain this, but I feel like you'll channel explain this for me. Okay. The difference in these women that are showing up for you that are okay with your flaws is that because they are educated and are doing work on themselves? Is that because you have changed? Is it some combination? I think it's a combination. It takes two to tango. So, you know, I changed. I started just owning it versus having shame around it. Um, yeah, of course, they're they're well educated around it all. Uh, one of my, I, The best way I could explain it, dude, is... The personal development community and the spiritual community are a fucking bubble. Hmm. I've had a friend of mine, I'm not going to say her name, was traumatized by the personal development community. And a lot of people are. Hmm. And she was like, she just got out of the bubble. I actually know two women now that I think of it. Got out of the bubble and just started, they called it, I just, I'm just having normal people friends. They aren't running a fucking business or making money or doing the healing work all the fucking time that are like, you know, somebody works at a gas station or somebody that does this, does this other thing or like a skater or like a crypto person. And it's that's been healing for them. So uh, what I'm saying is it's it's the non-obsession of it all, I guess. Mm. A little bit more allowing. I don't know. I've changed. And, you know, now that I'm mentioning my part, I was going to say in my story earlier I went from manic ownership where I'm owning everything and you're feeling that so I can do something to change it mm -hmm. to radical ownership and also awareness of what's mine and what's not. Mm -hmm. I need examples, please. <sighs> so that was actually one of the other questions I was okay. forming, which was like, how do you know what you should own versus uh, what you should change about yourself? Own your shit, but don't take any shit. So own your shit, see what happens. Own your shit, see what happens. Own your shit, see what happens. They're not changing. Okay, bye. Mm -hmm. So basically own yours, like, but if they can't own theirs, or what do you, yeah. There's not a hard rule on this. You okay. know, I can't give an answer to somebody of this is when you leave, or this is when you, you, you gotta keep staying because they're on the cusp of it. Like. You'll know it's in your it's in your soul, but it's self awareness, and I had the self awareness. I thought I had the self awareness. I'm the fucking heart guy, and I'm out here, you know, like I said, up until December, being a, a fucking people pleaser and a codependent patterns running again, and all this stuff. And I 
wasn't fully seeing it because I wasn't sitting with myself. I stopped all my morning practices. I stopped the self-awareness shit. I just started just, oh yeah, I don't need all that stuff. Let me just run and enjoy life. And I needed it and I'm grateful for it, but I wouldn't do it again. Mm. You know, um, does that answer your question? It's kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah. So it's really like having that practice of being able to listen to your, your soul, your heart. Well, and then when it does have that calm knowing that you talked about, it can be really scary sometimes to you logically disagree with it, but it knows your ego wants a thing mm. or a person mm. or a relationship. Mm. Sometimes you just got to listen to your heart and go, that's not the fucking direction. That's not the one. And then and I was headstrong fucking ignoring it. Mm. And you said you can't really give like a hard and fast. Is there, is there a difference between, cause I think in my past I've felt at times, like there's like that body knowing of a thing mm -hmm. that you described. Mm -hmm. And then there's also been like a, oh, this person is doing this one giant red flag that I've seen many times. And my body is like, absolutely no, please run away from this person mm -hmm. where yeah. they feel the same. Yeah. Those two things feel the same. Definitely. This is where it's important to heal your trauma mm. um, and to work with somebody who understands how to work with trauma, not just what trauma is. Big, massive difference. Um, because when you're doing that, you're 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 seeing life unobstructed. You're able to see the individual and see it for what it is. Oh, I have this past experience with this, but this is a different person. Mm. And you can stay instead of run, for example. You won't project your experience onto another um, so if you do, and if it's, and you also will have a good picker because you'll be like, oh wait a second, I've seen this before. Cool, like let's not just go into that. Mm -hmm. You'll you'll orient yourself accordingly, and you know, just be friends with the person or distance yourself or whatever. Um, you know, there's, I I in the early days of being the heart guy, I started to be a dating coach. I'm like, I'm not a fucking pickup artist uh, because a lot of the focus was on the other. And I'm more about the spiritual work, man. And so it's yours and looking inward and what feels good to you. And at the end of the day, my lesson recently has just been a deep level of truth and honesty with myself. I mean, it sounds weird, but like last night, I was going to go to a party, but I was like, no, I've got all this stuff to do tomorrow and I'm really tired. I was going back and forth and I had a friend holding space for me and I was like, I, I'm just tired. And I'm not admitting it to myself. And I want to go to this party because I don't want to disappoint my friend. And I just stated the facts of it all. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to go home because <laughs> I got clear. But we don't stop and sit and with that. We're trying to logically think about it all. But just being honest about those types of things. And even if it's not the answer we want, it's what's true. I used to have a definition of love that love is truth. It's so true a lot of the times, I feel. It's just a higher, high form of truth mm. because there's other forms of truth that aren't a deeper, you know, like my codependent self had a truth that he loved doing the codependent dance. I really didn't. But I would tell other people, yeah, it's great. Everything's fine. You know, it's lying to myself. And when we lie to ourselves, we automatically lie to other people. But I was lying to this guy first. Mm -hmm and unintentionally lying to other people and hurting other people. And I saw it, and when I woke up to this in December, I just saw all of my experiences with women. Codependency is fucking manipulative. 
you're changing who you are so you can be with somebody. You're pleasing them and putting on a mask of what they want instead of just being yourself. Mm-hmm. It's masked as love. I love you so much, so I'm going to change. Um, and man, I, I'm just in the season where I'm like, I'm just going to own who the fuck I am mm-hmm. and what I want to do and and honor my desires. If I have a dark thought or like some thing that I want to do, I'm just going to like own myself and do it. And not in like, you know, without hurting people, obviously there's morals that come in, but owning your darker thoughts mm-hmm. um, and owning all sides of yourself. You know, there's, I said this uh, quote the other day, there's not a demon to slay. There's just an exiled part of you to love. The exiled part of you doesn't feel seen, appreciated, heard. Oh my God, I'm alone. And so it becomes a demon. And we think we need to kill the demon. And when you kill the demon, the demon wins because now you've killed a side of yourself mm. permanently. Well, I don't think anything's permanent, but you know. Yeah, someday you're gonna have to find that thing. Revive it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The, wow. The, the side of you that's scared, the side of you that is a lying asshole, the side of you that uh, is an overthinker, the things that get in your way that are your limits. What if you were to just love it all and be okay with what is? And ironically, when you're okay with what is, it all starts changing. But the people, and I've had this experience, that constantly try to change it and control all of those things stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can can we do another personal example on this one? Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it mm-hmm. depends on what you're comfortable with. Like yeah. I can do it or you can do it. Yeah. But like, what is a one of those demons for you that you've had to love? And how does that change the way it shows up? lying to myself okay so there's a part of you that it's like avoided things and avoided truths mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at to some get point what i wanted in your past you were like yeah i'm just gonna stuff that thing down and never lie again or something right like what was well that was why i went to the i'm gonna honor my word and do this event mm-hmm. is because i hadn't before mm-hmm. and so it became a demon in a way because it put me at one hundred ten thousand dollars in debt mm-hmm. And then also on the flip side. Oh, so you were worried about being a liar. Yeah. So worried that you were like, I, there's no way mm-hmm. I can lie. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to do whatever mm-hmm. I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. This, okay. And your truth can change. Mm-hmm. Promising forever, for example. And I think it's Alice in Wonderland quote that sometimes forever is only a second or a moment. I forgot the quote. but you mm-hmm. know. So then... That was the extreme against the demon part, right? Uh-huh. Now, between now or then and now, how have you like brought that back in a healthy yeah. way? Having compassion for the side of me that was lying, mm-hmm. seeing that I was just scared and wanted atten- wanted validation and love and acceptance. It was a toxic way to get it, but seeing that hurt little boy under there, and um. And then starting to express my deeper truths. And because before it was, I'm so scared that I'm going to, I'm scared, so I'm going to honor my word. I'm going to honor what I said, even if I said it 10 years ago, right? Because I don't want to be made to be a liar. Mm. Instead of now, I'm not worried about what I'm saying with other people. I know it can change. I'm going to be a shit ton more mindful. That's for sure. 
of how I word things and what I say. It's good. It's the inner game, dude. I'm like, oh, I really do want this thing. Mm. Let me say it instead of being scared to say it. You know, like again, it could be a, a romantic partnership, right? Like, wet. I really love you. Being the first to say that, or I don't think this is going in the right direction. Versus just not saying anything. Like just being forefront and honest. Or I like the way I feel around this person. Or I don't like the way I feel around this person. Or this work really lights me up. Or man, this is shitty. Why am I doing this? Being honest with it. Because before I would twist it, I would reframe it. The shitty work was, oh, you just got to push through, grind, hustle. Like I had that weird you know, thing that men, I think, go through around pushing uh mm-hmm. It's just a part of the grind. No, you're out of alignment, dude. Yeah. You know, for me, that, I was right? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes. Kind of... I've, I've got two two more like big things that are coming up now. Okay. Um, one of them is, let's say you were in the culture scape um, in that unconscious, like the you're that's a woman who's watching and she keeps going after toxic men and trying to change them and maybe sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't but she's still looking or Mm. divorced and looking again right Mm. something like that Mm. or you're a man who is maybe got some like demons right and you're looking for a woman who can just accept those Mm. and you're like hey i'm conscious that they are there and you're in the culture scape of thinking the woman should just try to save you and be accepting. Mm. And there's a harmony between both of these things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then you realize that you're in that culture scape and you're recreating this thing again and again. And then you go and you find someone who is not that mm. and you find yourself not as attracted. Oh, that, yeah. Really common. Yeah, right? very common. <laughs> what do we do, Kevin? So I, <laughs> yeah, because you're, you have a distorted uh, uh, view of danger and a distorted attraction mechanism in your body where I call it a bandaholics. A bandaholics? Yeah. You're addicted to abandonment. The, the thrill, the rush, the, oh my God, I'm alive. Wow. I'm so passionate. Like this is such a crazy connection. you you, it's danger and your body knows that rush mm-hmm. is this is not safe. This is dangerous by every means. Oh my God. I love you. Um, and then you run the same pattern or it ends up the same way and whatever, whatever, versus something that's different. Wait a second, this feels different. This is easy. There's not that crazy rush, but I'm in a different garden. I'm in a different field. This is a different game. And maybe it doesn't have that erotic rush, passionate thing that people would associate with love, but this is different. This feels safe. I want to be safe in love. Mm. I don't want to be mad in love. And when I changed that, I started to be able to see it. I started to appreciate it. Because before it'd be like, oh yeah, there's just no chemistry. You're a cool friend, uh, right? And you just blind to it because of the distorted view of love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our first experiences with, it was unsafe environment growing up or with an ex. And then the pattern changes to, you know, being unsafe in those relationships or that arguing is a normal thing or that that tension that's created. Uh, is a normal thing and you blow it off with sex or whatever, but creating tension constantly in a connection with somebody else, it doesn't have to be that way. And I call it a bandaholics because it's a chemical addiction. It's not necessarily in the mind. You get addicted to the rush of adrenaline mm. and to that tense feeling in your body, 
and the hormones that are released, the chemicals that are released, the endorphins that are released in that tension of a, a fight, for example, or whatever. And then if you reward yourself with makeup sex constantly, you're now rewarding that behavior. Mm. And so you're, you're going to seek it out and you're going to put a wall up or poke at the other person for no reason other than to get that reaction so you can get a hit. Mm. Okay, so step one to healing that is awareness. Oh, step one healing anything is awareness. Right. Um, but yeah, awareness and you gotta you gotta fast. You gotta fast. You know how do you how do you quit a sugar addiction? You stop sugar. Mm. How do you quit a, a, a bandaholics addiction? You stop dating for a second, mm. or you create some space from that relationship that you're in to literally purge the chemicals out of your body and that that loop to reapproach it and that's really fucking hard to do mm. alone um I, healing happens in safe containers safe like relationships yeah mm. exactly so you know i have the saying in the heart gang that you, you yeah sure you can do healing by yourself but you don't have to do it alone mm. and actually you can't do it all alone self-healing only goes so far you have to eventually come out of your room that you journaled and cried in and meditated in and get in a relationship again <laughs> mm. so when you do get into that safe relationship and you are noticing mm -hmm. that how do you communicate that with the person being yeah. honest with yourself mm -hmm. and saying wow this is weird or i you know I'm, I'm i'm this is my pattern and i want to not do that and i like you and it's bringing up all this emotions and it's even scary for me to say this because we're in the beginning stages of this but like this is what it is people want real people want vulnerable and honesty and that's the tagline for heart gang real raw and honest and ironically i wasn't being that until recently um and that's the fucking truth and we want other people to be vulnerable we want other people to be honest with us if you really want that give it first that's the courageous part where it's courageous to live with an open heart to have your heart wide open is to be vulnerable first. How beautiful would it be if you were like trying to beat each other that moment <laughs> in relationship? Yeah. Like both of you are like, wait, I really got to tell you. <laughs> no, 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 me first. Uh, but seriously, to be the first one to express the truth, to share your feelings, uh, it, it's going to be a sorting mechanism. Mm -hmm. Certain people can't meet you there because they haven't gone there within themselves. So you they'll fall from your life and you know it doesn't mean that the relationship failed or that the friendship failed or the dating connection failed it's sometimes you're just not compatible mm -hmm. you know i had a, a, a ex recently in recently past few years where it was just like man i love you and you love me but this is not compatible like this just doesn't click mm -hmm. and we're trying to make it work and it's like eh, i love you but the, we're not compatible mm -hmm. it can be that it doesn't have to be an evil person and a good person and fuck you for this and you're a bad, like, where is all that drama coming from? Mm. Sometimes you're just not compatible and you can move on in growth and in health and to part ways, you know? So I'm gonna ask you a pretty, I can imagine, commonly asked question okay. in your communities and clients and things. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see and hear your response. Okay. And, you know, like, let's say uh, that one of the most common exercises for calling in like a future partner mm -hmm. is to write about them and to talk uh, yeah. about like you know what they're like and their traits and various uh -huh. experiences. Uh -huh. And I know it doesn't have to be like completely accurate, but mm -hmm. I know the exercise of doing it can be really valuable. Just to yeah. put on paper what it, I mean, like manifesting any sort of goal or right. being able to see it and activate the 
you know, the RAS and, and seeing what you want, yeah. really, and getting clear on what you want. And then we also just talked about, like, chemistry, mm. right? Mm. And knowing, like, uh, so good chemistry is, like, the deep knowing of, like, this person is a beautiful person and I love mm. this person. And mm. the, maybe the bad chemistry or the, the volatile chemistry is, like, oh, I see that this person is going to uh, trigger, like, an addiction loop yeah. to this intensity that I'm used to, right? It, could, mm. it doesn't have to be yelling or fighting, right? It could be other things, too, like mm. someone who's withdrawn or their mm. heart is closed or mm. they don't like commitment or anything that could mm. be volatile, yeah. right, in relation, not the thing that you wrote down. Right, 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 <laughs> right? right. So what, in your opinion, are the things, the most valuable things to attempt to call in when you do exercises like that mm. versus the things that maybe are not as healthy how about what people wouldn't write down which mm -hmm. is how do i feel around this person mm. that's one of the biggest ones that has worked for people that you don't usually think about oh they're this tall they get this job they got this type of relationship with their family they're making this much money they're doing this thing they love this they feel this they 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 how do you feel around this person you know another thing is like what does this person how does this person talk about you behind your back Mm. Do they praise you, right? Or do they not talk about you at all? Um, common viewpoints. What's their relationship with money and their viewpoints with it? What's their relationship with uh, kids and wanting kids or not? And parenting, like go into it. What's their parenting style? What are, they, what are their views on things? Really dig in. Uh, and this is hard to do because there's what you want and then there's what you need mm -hmm. so write it down and let it go and be open to receiving anything i when i did goal setting for 2022 i wrote down a few words unfathomable i can't i, I was like i want something i could sit down here and, and goal set and write down what i want but i want it to be completely uncomprehensible right now to me i couldn't fucking think it's not in the realm of consciousness for me at that in january 1st 2022 i would not be able to fathom or create it. I, I couldn't write it down it's gonna be that good and so far it's been happening uh so maybe writing that down but mm -hmm. again like write the feelings how are you gonna feel the i love you translates to i love the way that i feel about myself when i'm with you mm -hmm. really when you boil it down yes um and so it's that. How are you going to feel? What's the common, what's the energy and the essence of your relationship? Not just the constructs and the words and the labels and the, the mindset stuff. Heart works on emotions. So what are the key emotions that are in your relationship and in your connection? And then, this is what I do in my courses with people. Who do you have to become in order to manifest this person and keep this person and be attractive to this person? Oh shit, there's your mirror. There's the work. Now get to work on it. Whether you're with the partner now, or you're looking to manifest and call somebody in, doing this exercise and then flipping every question onto yourself. It's a tough pill to swallow, but that's like, okay, there's my roadmap, if you will, for the inner work to manifest this person. Now let me forget about that list and stop going out there like it's a game of hide and seek and work on myself and trust that they'll come to me. Hmm. Or that the stars will align at the right time. And then when and you're faced works. with an opportunity and you do see someone have the courage to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you do see, wait, this is familiar. I wrote about this a few months ago. 
Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what point, if ever, do you share that with them in the relationship? I and I've had people, you know, I've multiple people manifest their partners, like dozens of people manifest their partners through my course. Mm-hmm. We do this exercise in week two. And they've told Which course is this one? True Love Accelerator. Okay. And they have shared pretty instantaneously. Uh, and they've shared, you know, waited a few months, but yeah. Epic. Yeah. They know pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You said essentially, and, and I know this to be true, and I, I can mm-hmm. feel that deep inner knowing that for people to really get into this space mm-hmm. and really get like the healing in, they have to be safe. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of the times, mm-hmm. the people we are surrounded by uh, don't necessarily have that same safety. Like our family, uh, maybe mm-hmm. some of our close friends, right? Mm-hmm. We can't be safe around them. Mm-hmm. So we seek that out in partners, right? And we play this like artificial safe space around them where it's not safe at all. Or we try to find communities like the Heart Gang, yeah. right? To be safe. So ultimately, right, I feel like having those safe spaces mm-hmm. is, is very important to have those like little corners we can go to to be really safe. So for mm-hmm. me, that might be like the Avengers group that I run <laughs> where I'm like, you just can say everything and they've known you through so many things and over so many years and so many amazing places mm-hmm. and you can just unload. Yeah. And they're there's no judgment. You. There's yeah. no judgment. Yeah, totally. Right. Or at least to the best of our ability. Right. And it's always, you know, when you get larger groups, it's tougher and tougher totally. to create that safety. And yeah. the more you know each other, the more safe it can get, the more mm-hmm. they are vulnerable, the safer they'll be for other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you have to say about, like our day-to-day life and creating safety there. So I know for sure, number one is we need to be safety for others and the people around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, your family is your family. Yeah. Um, your your spouse is your spouse. So a lot of people who are watching this might be married or mm-hmm. engaged or in mm-hmm. a significant relationship already. And maybe their partner is not listening to this interview with <laughs> the same context, nor may mm-hmm. they even be interested in mm-hmm. this at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. How do we start to push safety into our lives what's what's our with other people yeah with the people that are currently in our lives you'd be a safe space for them ask yourself are you a space they're not safe for me like i can't open up are you safe for them mm-hmm. or are you judging them when they try to open up are they scared to open up because they're scared of judgment or you know whatever encourage it and really check yourself not to judge and to be a safe space how do we encourage it what do we what do we do you know, I'm noticing you have feelings about that. Is it, is it okay if you talk about it? I just want to hold space for you. I'm not going to try to solve it. I'm not going to judge you. Like I, I desire to be close to you and I'm feeling distant. And, um, I feel like if you, could you, could you at least try to lean in and trust me? Cause I, I want to get close to you. And at that point, it's not up to you and there's nothing you can do because it takes two to tango. You know, you can't save the beast. Mm. It's up to him if he wants to change or not. So um, there's ways that you can. It's energy, though, right? It's it's all energy, and especially as someone who's been unsafe their whole life and or been in rougher uh, communities, it's going to be really hard to open up and um, consistency. But it when you're safe and expressing yourself, people are going to be pulled to you, and then be like. You're, you're going to be so vulnerable in yourself and free, it frees them up automatically. So not just creating safety, but now creating self-expression. You're, 
automatically going to be, you know, people are going to get around you and tell you their life story. You're like, oh my God, I'm dealing with this thing. You're not going to have to ask for it. Mm -hmm. It'll come second nature when you're fully self-expressed. And you might think that you're self-expressed now as I used to. Uh, but the, there's, levels. there's levels. There's levels to it. For sure. Beautiful. So then the note that I had earlier was you said you've seen love stories happen in like every way imaginable. Yeah. So yeah. like, yes, Crazy. sometimes he, he is a toxic mm. guy and you do right. heal him and provide a safe space where now he doesn't necessarily have to be that and mm -hmm. he will learn that over time. Mm -hmm. And as a guy you might have all these like flaws and things that you're like hey these are my demons mm -hmm. these are very real for me mm -hmm. they're there here's what i've done um they'll show up sometimes and i apologize for that yeah. you know and the woman will be okay with that and she will be open to that and then you know she'll be a safe space for you you'll be a safe space for her right mm -hmm. and that can evolve are there any are there any green flags we can look for that mm -hmm. you've seen are like consistent across uh, like subcultures, we'll just say like American culture, because I know mm. every culture is going to have its own things, mm -hmm. but maybe our Western culture mm. at large. And I know that can get confusing because when you say like Spain and Brazil, those yeah, are super different. different. Green flags, uh, new and unfamiliar for yourself, okay, number so one. If, you if your pattern, pattern is negative and you want to yeah. break it, new and unfamiliar. Um, Non-judgment. Like you notice, you open up and say something, and it's not really judged too much. Mm -hmm. They don't run or freak out or get triggered. Get triggered, and maybe they meet it with they meet you with curiosity instead of judgment. Mm -hmm. Maybe they might be whoa, okay, but like they they still question, they still stay. That's green flag. They're, what are their connections like with other people? How do they talk about their exes? Is there are their exes always the bad person? I got news for you. It takes two to tango. Uh, their own self-awareness are they owning their shit um you know can they be humble uh it, it's different for everybody but those are definitely some of mine beautiful yeah and then when people fall in love with you and they want to learn so much more about all the <laughs> stuff that you teach the heart game they want to yeah. find these safe spaces and they just want to be really immersed in mm -hmm. this education and everything that you're talking about here where yeah. can they go how can they learn more? The Heart Guy on Instagram, heartgang.com to join the Heart Gang. Um, we've got a slew of things. You know, we just talked mainly about love and relationships on the podcast today, uh, but we talk so much more about like wealth and living your dharma and the physical body and optimizing for health. Because if you want to feel more love, you've got to feel more. And so the body has to be on, on point, right? Uh, and there's so many community uh events and things that we do in there to really give you that sense of belonging um do you do live great. events everywhere or is it just austin we're starting so okay. we're starting to do live events everywhere uh, right now it's just austin and like i said this is very new so i'm still like even crystallizing the identity of the heart gang but it's for people badasses with a big heart people that have a big heart that have a huge mission for the world or really want to like work on themselves to find a place where they will be safe and fully encouraged to self-express where they build their self-awareness and self-expression um, and we do it in a pretty gangster way it's not vanilla at all like a lot of the stuff that i see um, so it's fun we have fun in the work and, and that makes it uh, more accelerated actually mm -hmm. 
Uh, I have a quick side question. That's usually cool. the last question I ask, but then <laughs> here we go. We keep going. <laughs> so you said, um, which I completely agree with. So like mm-hmm. the Thrive Dojo, right? The whole mantra is strong body, clear mind, peaceful soul. Ooh, and those okay. are the three things that kind of encapsulate what I consider a beautiful and fulfilling life. Okay. And fulfilling air kind of goes hand in hand with that, right? Mm-hmm. So today we talked a lot about, like we said, love and relationships. Mm-hmm. And then you said that the body is an important part of all of that mm-hmm. and then like dharma and your purpose and yep. living on purpose is a big part of that mm-hmm. with the body and i know you went through this huge journey healing yeah. everything what um if you had like three like here's the three things that you did Ooh. or that you tell people to do uh, that uh. really help them become what i call a vessel for inspiration nice and as they you know do that they can feel that, that mm. coherence and that heart knowing more. Yeah, yeah, yeah what would be the three uh regulate your nervous system clear and heal your gut and build heart coherence. So nervous system regulation, understanding trauma, literally grounding and, and creating different patterning in your body that's working with uh, triggers, etc. So that's a whole realm. Which is kind of what we, we talked kind a little of bit about. Got on it, yeah. yeah. Is there a book you'd recommend for that or a specific uh, influence? Again, you, this isn't something to learn. It's mm-hmm. something to experience. So uh, find a somatic experience practitioner that's a... Uh, SEP, they're certified in this. Somatic is a word thrown around right now a lot in the community, but find a somatic practitioner and get some table work done. Um, you'll feel a fucking difference. And that's SEP. SEP, somatic experience practitioner. Um, then uh, clearing and healing your gut. When I went through all the gut stuff, I realized I got depression and I was like, wow, your gut health correlates to your mental health a lot. Like, I can't just Tony Robbins this shit out of my way of bad gut health. You know, I can't change my state when I'm fucking depressed and my gut isn't producing dopamine or serotonin and I'm not digesting stuff and I'm constantly in pain. Mm. So um, that is, you know, things like fasting, finding out what's best for you. Honestly, get your shit checked. Like go get blood work done, stool tests, all of that because everybody's body is different. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, go vegan, do this one thing. Like, uh, but a fast, I know for sure for everybody. It 24 was, hours, 36 hours. Dark72.com is 72 hour fast. Okay, dark72.com. Ton of breath work, a ton of Vipassana meditations, uh, um, and a ton of shadow work because there's like mini workshops every day. But dark72.com, free three day water fast. Um, and the nerve or the heart coherence. So that is where, you know, I sell stethoscopes in the heart gang. And it's to listen to the sound of your own heartbeat. So you can put your hand over your heart and feel your heart and you can build heart brain coherence that way. It's much easier when you have two senses online, feeling and hearing. Mm-hmm. And just three minutes of placing your awareness on the sound of your own heartbeat, you instantly regulate your nervous system. You're coming from a place of wholeness. You're developing a stronger sense with your intuition. So you mentioned like, how do you know? Like you'll build the intuitive knowing because you're connecting with the heart. Mm. Um, so it's a muscle that you it's can train. A, it is. It's a relationship that you build. Uh, HeartMath Institute has done all the research on this. So y'all Google them, HeartMath Institute. Um, and they've would, done, you be, would you be open to doing like a five-minute or a 10-minute recording here today yeah. that people can do? Definitely. I mean, it, when it's recorded, especially something short like that, all I'm really going to say is, Stop, breathe, focus on your heart. Too much interference with a guided thing is a bad thing, actually. Okay, um, so what you're saying is put on beautiful music. Or not. Or not. And just listen to your heart. 
Place your awareness on your heartbeat and focus on the, the time in between each beat. And then shift your awareness to focus on and the time in between it and make that longer. And see if you can, just with your awareness, slow your heart rate down. And by the end of the three minutes, you'll be in a regulated nervous system. Your cells are healing themselves. Um, you'll have better lymphatic system flow. This has been proven to reverse cancer, as crazy as it sounds, but the HeartMath did studies on it. That same state comes from when you're feeling grateful as well. So, but you know, I've been homeless sleeping on the street before and didn't have money for food. I couldn't think of a fucking thing to be grateful for. I placed my awareness on my heart. Mm-hmm. And I did, it's the same chemical reaction in your body. So heart-brain coherence is your heart and brain are communicating in sync. I mean, you had a heart and embryonic development before you have a brain. So your heart is a brain mm. um, in that sense. It has well, that knowing. bulk of the electricity is generated there. So mm-hmm. in the dojo, we talk about that. Yeah, where, okay. Yeah, so in some of the tracks right now, I talk about like, oh, feel the electricity from your brain to your spine to the muscle, to the muscle to the spine to the right. brain. The new tracks, uh-huh. I go a level deeper because that's just something people understand where I go yeah. from the heart to the brain to the spine to the muscle. Because that's actually how it's running. To the brain to the heart. Oh, uh, yes. wow. wow. And everything in between. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of new stuff that we're working with right now that I haven't shown you yet. Okay. Because it's just, it always gets deeper. Totally. But essentially everything is generated from the heart mm. in what we're discovering. Yeah, it is. It is. And all the research points to that. So when you build a heart coherence, you build resiliency in your nervous system and in your state. So something triggers you, you don't go into reaction. Um, You're able to come from love instead of your hurt Mm. or from your heart instead of your hurt, from love more of the time and you'll live a more fulfilled life. When you're owning your truth, you'll sleep easy at night. When you've forgiven the people of the past, forgiven yourself, you'll sleep better at night. And to me, if you want a better life, sleep better. So that's real fulfillment is laying your head down at night and not having any demons to fight and not having any bullshit running around and not having any anxiety about what if and this, that, the other. And even because you're detached from your physical possessions, they don't define you. You're detached from your relationships because they don't define you. You're solid in yourself. You know who the fuck you are. You know your truth and you're living it. I can go to sleep now. And you wake up the next day living a life fully fulfilled. I see you broken and be